you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waits, the Fearless Business Coach. I have got an amazing guest on today who's going to be talking all things five-day challenges and how to market your business through funnels and automation. Uh, my guest is Tom Green, the founder of Growth Hacker. Welcome, Tom. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. So uh, Tom's a golf prof- uh, former golf professional turned entrepreneur, uh, founded his company six years ago. So we're going to be finding out all about Growth Hacker, but I'm going to dive straight into the juicy bit of the content, which um, uh, I'd love to know more about um, five-day challenges and the benefits um, of, of five-day challenges for coaches, consultants, and freelancers, because I think it's a very over overlooked, underused um, marketing tool. So why a five why five-day challenges, Tom? Uh, well, I think there's a there's a few key reasons. So, I think first of all, you're able through a five-day challenge, you're you're able to deliver a huge amount of value to people up front. So, as a I guess a, a lead magnet, it, it's kind of like a lead magnet on steroids, really. Like you're you're providing an experience for people over five days where they really get to come into your world and and see how you can can deliver value, and and that has kind of like a, a two-sided benefit to it because I think on one side it means that people it's very attractive so people will come in more easily which helps acquisition costs but then on the other end of it you're able to deliver a lot of value and get a lot of uh, know like and trust going which also helps to uh, on the other end to help with your conversions as well so I think it's a pretty good funnel in in that sense. I think there's a there's a lot. I mean, I've done five day challenges in the past, and there is quite a lot of sort of overhead in terms of work that's involved in it, in terms of either marketing it or doing the videos for it or creating the actual content for the five days. Um, you probably come across a lot of sort of objections as to why people don't want to do a, a five day challenge. So, what are the, the the typical sort of reasons why people struggle with them? Um, and and how can they start to what's what's a good starting point? How can they start to overcome some of those sort of hurdles? Yeah, absolutely. I think that when there's different elements to the challenge, because you've got to make sure that the content of your challenge is is very good, which is is one part. You've then got to have the automated system set up so that the challenge can run effectively. But then as a follow-on for that, you have to make sure that your offer at the end of it is good and that you've got a, a good upsell. So I think that when you put all those three things together, it, it can be quite overwhelming if you're doing it all yourself. So I think if you've got someone who can, as a minimum, take care of the automated system, I think that helps. And if you have someone who has had the experience of doing it before and the, the do's and don'ts, they can also help to make sure that it runs effectively and, and just point you in the right direction, really. Now, I know one of the things that a lot of people will be thinking as well is what kind of results can I expect to get? Because, you know, it feels like a five-day challenge is quite a big deal. But um, what sort of results have you got for your clients so far? 
So with five-day challenges, I think that it does vary a, a little bit based from, from different industries and different ticket prices, but your two key conversion events are, are how you can get people into your challenges uh, originally uh, in terms of your, your, I guess, your cost per, per sign-up or cost per group member, and then on the back end of that, your, your conversion. So, I mean, getting people into your group industry dependent can be between like three pounds up to 10 pounds, and then conversion on the back end can be anywhere between like 3% and 10%. And that conversion is normally a bit of a function as well of, of how big your ticket price is at the end. Because obviously for, for high ticket items, it's going to be a bit lower. Uh, and for, for low ticket items, you can convert more from there as well. So if you were sort of, if, you, if you're aiming to have 100 people take part in your challenge, you should be sort of roughly budgeting somewhere between 300 and 1,000 pounds to attract those people into the challenge. Yeah, and then exactly. so that, I mean, that's not a, a massive, you know, huge amount of money. And then sort of on the back end, then a conversion rate between three and 10%, let's say your, um, I don't know, your uh, price point is 1,000 pounds, keep the number simple. People could expect somewhere between a three and 10 times return on their investment potentially yeah absolutely so i think that 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 just as a bit of a caveat to that that 10 percent for an a thousand for an a thousand pound item would be very good but yeah that you'd be looking at even if you were towards the three to five percent range i think that yeah you're, you're looking at those kind of of returns which if you get it right the the thing with the five-day challenges that i think is really good is that it allows you to sell to people at scale without doing sales calls so i spent a lot of time uh, in a previous business that I was running before Growth Hacker and our, our business was really heavily based around sales calls and I think the, the massive benefit of five-day challenges is that you're selling to uh, effectively a thousand people in in one in one hit and of course it isn't quite as personal but you also get that group and community and engagement feel which really does increase conversion rates so yeah I think it's a good tool from that point of view. And I mean, one of the things as well is like, you know, I mean, let's say a three to five times return on investment is good. Um, uh, you know, again, a lot of people kind of get a bit sort of hung up on the numbers. And I know I asked the question, but I suppose one of the other things as well is they, a lot of people see like a five day challenge as like a one off. But actually, I see it as something which you can run on a you know, recurring basis almost. Once you've created the formula that creates that that ROI, you can run it monthly, quarterly, every six months, every two weeks if you've got the, the you know, if, if 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 you want to, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say almost if you don't, and if you do run it just as a, a one-time thing, you're almost you're losing out on a lot of leverage there because you've created the assets and the, the architecture and, and the framework. Like, And as a, an extra point to that as well, your first challenge is probably always going to be the one which is delivered the most poorly and also has the lowest conversion rate. So you're losing out on a lot of leverage, I would say, if you don't do, do multiple. For some people, for a lot of people, I think that it makes sense to do one a month or one a quarter because uh, it is quite a lot of work. But you can reduce that a lot if you have a technical team implementing and you have a VA who handles a lot of the, the admin work as well. Like You can systemize it quite a lot, which is, which is good. So talking about those kind of systems, I mean, how how would you start to scale this thing? Because again, you know, the numbers can get get quite sort of terrifying when you start to add in VAs and um, you know different people within the business and the actual marketing budget, and then having somebody actually help you build the thing in the first place. Those numbers can get a little bit terrifying, can't they? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think with anything in marketing, it is always a good idea to validate on a on a smaller level, like uh, even sometimes doing your first your first one, if you have got an organic following, if you've got a network of people, even if it means that you're only doing your first challenge to 100 people, do it, do it to them to test because they'll give you good feedback. You'll probably get good conversion because organic is where you're going to get your people who, who already know you. So if you can test it there, then, then you should because... Uh, paid marketing is just like I guess like pouring gasoline on a fire like you don't want to do that and until you know that your thing is working like it's it's an amplifier and you can amplify bad situations with marketing if you if you've not got profitable unit economics and you you amplify you can get into trouble real quick so it's a good idea to test that beforehand so test test it on I think that's a really great tip actually not just for five-day challenges but for, for marketing in general sort of you know test it on a warm audience and I think most people probably listening to this will have a Facebook group or they'll have a podcast or they'll be, they'll go to networking meetings or things like that. And you can actually just, you know, you don't need to test it out on hundreds of people, 10 or 20 people might be enough just to test whether the five day challenge structure itself works. You may not necessarily be looking to convert off the back of those smaller numbers, but at least you can work out whether the, the sort of structure you know, fits if it works for you. Um, yeah. And then you can start to kind of ramp it up a little bit after that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really agree with that. Like the the customer development process is is so uh, so important. Uh, there's a book called Four Steps to the Epiphany. Um, I think it's by Steve Blank. It's more of a tech book, but I think that the whole point of establishing who your niche is, the transformation that they are going to achieve with your product, and the price that that you're charging, you need to test all of those variables on the on the market um, before you do paid marketing and you've got to you've got to develop your, your customers so that or that your customer process and that um i guess that process whilst that's kind of talking more relative to tech and basically talking about doing that before you build your product i think it applies to anything especially these days where everyone is using those marketing processes it's you've got to develop the customer first and I think that's something which, you, again, you made a really valid point there about like the changing um, state of play in marketing. And I, I remember back in 2004, you know, when I, I first set up my marketing agency, you oh. needed a, a good website, which is what we built, business cards, we designed those, and then go to a networking meeting. And you were like, slam dunk, I'm going to go and get customers. And, and now I think it's such a confusing place to, um, to market your business. And you know, so many different platforms, uh, so many different, like, you know, 10 times number of businesses as, as there were sort of 30 years ago at the dawn of the internet age. It's actually a really confusing place to kind of um, uh, build and grow a business. And I think that five-day challenge is like a really good way to kind of cut through a lot of that noise because there's no real risk or jeopardy involved for the for your prospect. It's um, a really great opportunity for them to lean in and, and kind of, you know, pull back the curtains and see inside your business and see what's of a person you are and also what sort of results you can get because you can actually create some really amazing results you know in, in just five days potentially with prospects by delivering you know a handful of not quick wins that sounds a bit um negative but you know what i mean you know you'd be able to show yeah. them some results up front um you know in a, in a in a really smart way and so when when you actually get to the point of putting your offer out there and asking for the sale um a lot of that friction has been reduced, you know, because somebody's been there for five days. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it becomes a point at the end where 
I think that if it's done, if it's done correctly, it's not even then really a, a sale at the end. It, it's kind of like the, the decision is going to be made for the the client whether they're going to uh, whether it's right for them and whether they should go ahead or not. And you've you've had that opportunity to to build that relationship. So it's quite good from that point of view because I think the kind of hard kind of door to door like sales approach. I think that that's something that on the was being used a lot on the internet maybe like 10 years ago but I think now people are, are getting a little bit fed up of that and and that approach doesn't work quite as well anymore so I think that yeah that that's where it also works works quite well cool um in terms of um uh, you know, starting to scale it. So, you know, we've got the soft launch uh, to a warm audience. Next one, we're start, going to start to sprinkle a bit of pixie dust on it with some ads potentially and, and scale it. Um, what are the sort of um, setbacks or pitfalls that people can expect as that, you know, as they start to shift from the hundreds into, I've seen five-day challenges where people have had literally thousands signed up to the, you know, their five-day challenge. Um, most businesses don't have the capacity to deal with that number, that volume of inquiry and, and people how, how do you again overcome some of those sorts of obstacles I think when it gets to that point I think you've got to be a little bit ready for the fact that ads sometimes do get more expensive as as you as you increase budgets that that can happen the cost uh, the cost of acquiring customers can can go up um, and I think in terms of actually delivering the challenge and then delivering your course, it, it's or whatever it is that you're selling at the end, I think it's really about just having really good processes in place. So standard operating procedures, training videos that are either recorded on Zoom or, or that kind of thing so that you can put people in place to do the things that are required. Because I think a big part of the challenges is getting engagement with people. And then when people do engage with you with their tasks and stuff like that, making sure that your replies are really in-depth and if you are going to put someone in who's going to do the work for you, then that you need to make sure that they have the playbook to to respond exactly as as you would. Otherwise, as you scale, you get you get less efficient. And I think uh, another part of that as well is making sure that at the end of your challenges, you have some feedback loops and you feedback with your whole team so that it keeps improving over time as well. Because yeah, yeah, one of the mistakes I made was tr you know trying to do a five day challenge alongside the day to day running of my business. I learned very quickly yeah. that actually what I should have done is just pushed everything to one side for a, a week, really heavily focused on the five day challenge because I was dropping balls. I was there were people who were messaging me and it was really difficult to try and keep up with it all when I did that launch. Um, and and so again, having the team available uh, to take some of that sort of um, that workload off you, but also being able to speak in the same sort of way that you speak about your business um, is is super important. So, you know, having scripts, I guess, is, you know, going to be vital. Having, you know, making sure that um, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and using the same tools is going to be really important as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that they that they know exactly what what needs to happen and when and so that processes are, are in place. Yeah, that, that's key, I think.
Cool. And um, one of the things that you talk about as well is, um, you know, again, this is part of the scaling side of things, but actually then starting to bring in a sales team. So again, this is something which to a lot of people probably listening is going to be completely foreign, but we've got to start sowing the seed of an idea here. If you want to grow your business, you've got to get serious about all of the aspects of your business, sales, marketing, accounts, you know, the works. So you talk about sort of building a commission, a commission only based sales team. So explain what, first of all, what, what is a commission only sales person? Uh, what's their role responsibility and how do you pay them? Um, and then, and then what other tips have you got around that? Yeah, absolutely. So just as a, a, I get a a bit of a prelude to this, like when you're, or like working with businesses, like on the whole process that I offer, like you would, you'd start out with, with outbound prospecting to test or, or organic following to test, then you do paid marketing. And then only when your founding team or yourself, if you're an individual, only when you're overloaded with leads, would you start to look to, to build this process? Um, so, uh, this is something that, um, I built up with my, my previous business, um, which we did offline, but there are ways of doing it online as well. So just to give a, an idea of what a commission-only rep or a commission-only team is, when you're at that point when you've got more leads than you can handle with your paid marketing, you can bring somebody on who works on, they work remotely if you need to. Uh, They sell over Zoom calls like this. Um, You can have them using tools like Pipedrive um, and Zoom and then give them all of the outbound prospecting tools so that then they can go and generate leads themselves if, if, if they need to. Or if you've got enough internet leads, they can handle handle those and what you can do is is bring people on board on a on a commission only basis so that's done by basically advertising on websites like indeed you need to advertise and kind of Again, another caveat to this is that I think that you need to know how much money someone who's a decent salesperson would bring in in your role. Like if you're, if you know that you're selling and you're making $10,000 a month and you're going to put your commission at 25%, then on Indeed, you'd say um, sales position available, typical salary, 2,500. You shouldn't put the fact that it's a commission only role there. That should come into the next phase. And what you can actually do is, is you can, um, introduce people to your business by having them watch a a video and then come into like a group hiring webinar where you would hold a zoom call where you have multiple people on the line. And what you'll find is, is that in a group setting, the ones who have that entrepreneurial mindset are going to be the ones who come forward and want to become uh, sales agents. So we did this process in Dubai with um, uh, students. Um, We did do a small salary as well, but we had people who are working selling at, at the previous business that I was working with on, on pretty much all commission-only stuff. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good process. And I think these days, like, there are a lot of people looking for work right now and, and people will take up commission-only roles if they've got proof that, you know, that people in sim- people are already in the company earning or the founder is, is doing really well and he's looking for support. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You want to be handing them, like, good quality leads. It's, it, it, you know, they're not going to stay for very long if you're, if you're handing them, you know, shit, shit leads and not enough of them because they're just not going to get, you know, um, compensated sort of well enough. It's not going to motivate them to want to stay. So, yeah, exactly. it, 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 it makes, makes a lot of sense. And what size businesses typically would you say are kind of, because you know, a lot of our clients are sort of, um, I don't know, 
uh, mid to high five figures. They haven't maybe quite reached six figures yet. It strikes me that commission any salesperson is sort of when you start hitting 20, 30K a month, potentially. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think as, as well, just dependent on how many people that you've got in your original team as well. Like if you're a founding team of two or or three, then you can probably manage for, for quite a bit longer. But I think it, it just gets to, it's at the point when you can't really handle the leads that you've got. You'll be, you'll be ramping up your marketing budget and your your limiting factor is the commission is the is the sales team the fact that you've not got a sales effort but if you bring on people on a fixed salary then you've got something that can really mess with your unit economics because if if you know that your cost of acquiring a customer is 25% of your um maybe your first sale or your lifetime value, if you can just layer in 25% or 20% commission on top of that, it's completely scalable. Whereas if you put in a whatever, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 pound a month salary, whatever ends up being whatever type of salesperson you're looking for, then you've got a lot of risk involved in that because there's, there's no guarantee of performance and it typically takes people three to six months to ramp up. So it allows you to scale without the, without the risk. Yeah, nice. Like it. Um, and what what sort of you mentioned a couple of tools there, sort of pipe drive and and one or two others. But what what other sort of software do you think kind of help can help um, you know small business owners to grow their business? Okay, yeah. So specifically for um, five day challenges, uh, I mean the the tool or the CRM that I would recommend it would be either Active Campaign or or Infusionsoft. Uh, Active Campaign is a little bit cheaper, but Infusionsoft probably scales a little bit better. Um, Pipe Drive works really well with his Infusionsoft because it allows a really visual um, sales effort. So, uh, the previous company that I was working on, we had a team of fifteen people who would be who would be selling all, all day, every day, and Pipe Drive was great for that because you can separate it based on revenue streams, move people down a funnel, have activity-based systems, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, so that one works well. Uh, Zapier is really good for linking everything up. Um, I'd say that's probably the the linchpin because it allows you to you can you can integrate it with pretty much everything. So. So, yeah, and I think that making sure that data flows really well through your system, that can stop bottlenecks. And I think a lot of times as you get bigger, it, it ends up being cheaper than doing things manually as well. So, yeah. It's, it's one of the biggest mistakes, again, I see with marketing is people kind of, you know, they, they think they're going to smash out some Facebook ads and get a load of leads in and then, you know, magically turn themselves into millionaires. But what they're actually doing is that you end up, um, I see a lot of business owners like constantly having to re-advertise to people because they're not storing that data anywhere and not actually measuring, you know, as people move from an ad to a Facebook group into you know, your CRM through your sales process, they're not tracking any of that through. So they end up like duplicating their marketing budget by having to retarget people they've already targeted. Um, And, you know, it's much better, like Zapier is a savior, like being able to kind of, you know, uh, do a Facebook lead form, for example, and have that automatically email the, you know, you can get Zapier to send an email via uh, um, uh, Gmail or Office 365, like Outlook. Um, you can have that data automatically squirted into MailChimp, Infusionsoft, Active Campaign, wherever you want it to go. You can have that data then squirted into um, uh, into a into a Facebook audience. So you can send this this one, you know, through one feedback piece of one form, name, email address, 
you know, and potentially telephone number, you can have it squirted into like a dozen different places in a matter of seconds through Zapier. And it just means that like, once that person's then in your ecosystem, in your audience, you've kind of got them then. Whether you, whether they buy today or whether they buy in a year, it doesn't matter. But so long as they're, you know, it's it, they're, they're stored in there somewhere is the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a there's a lot of talk on there's a lot of talk about Facebook ads and people advertising about, oh, we can help you with your Facebook ads and that sort of stuff. And it is important the way that your Facebook ads are structured, but I think the ecosystem that you then take them into is is probably equally, if not, if not more important. Um, because if you're handling those leads correctly and if you're if you're nurturing them then you're you're going to get you're going to get a lot higher conversion rate and you like you said as well you're going to get a lot more people who maybe who aren't in a position to work with you at the moment but might be in the future because you've continued to deliver value to them on an ongoing basis well so. and the best thing about five day challenges is like cuz you're going to get an attrition rate you're going to get people who you know start dropping out cuz like you know just life gets in the way um yeah. and so maybe they don't complete it but the beautiful thing is that once you set the five-day challenge up and you can do it monthly quarterly however often that person who's dropped out can always just hop back onto the next five-day challenge once you've got them you know into a facebook group for example if that's where you're going to run the challenge yeah absolutely yeah you, you're spot on with that and that is something that that should be done because you can get people who do a couple of challenges like there's that there's the seven hour rule that you need seven hours to convert a client so sometimes if people are like you said a bit unengaged first time around then and likely they'll pick up different things from it next time and your challenge will change a bit anyway so yeah some people will do that explain the seven hour rule because again people may not be familiar with that uh, so I think that's just like sales and marketing interdependence, like the fact that if you can if you can have your sales and marketing effort from the moment that you grab attention online until the purchase and purchases, a lot of times it will take seven hours of them consuming content or in conversation and um, I guess learning about your business in order to in order to make the sale. I, I think that's a bit of a that's a little bit of a I, I guess like a high end like seven hours like. Some not saying that everybody will, but certainly in longer sales cycles for higher ticket items, it it certainly does. Um, and just from just from experience, like we've built back to the sales example, like we had uh, funnels where sales funnels where we uh, make eight phone calls and send like multiple messages to people, and a lot of times the sale would come in the second half of that. So I think that does apply in a lot of cases. Well, D Daniel Priestley talks about seven eleven four in. Uh, I think it's either key personal influence or um, entrepreneur revolution. So he talks about the seven hours of engagement 11, across 11 different touch points. So having multiple touch points is super important. And then four different locations. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not so fussed about the location so much. I think the engage hours of engagement and what information you feed people, because it's all about education, basically. The more they consume with you, the more they can see what sort of results you can get and how you're going to work and what sort of person you are and all of the good stuff. And that, and that's, you know, we talk about know, like, and trust. It's all about building up trust in that process and give people yeah. as much information as they can possibly learn about you in order to make an informed decision. Um, you know, and that, and that just reduces friction in the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that and the touch points. And sometimes channel as well is, is important because some people are, are way more engaged on certain channels than others. Like for me right now, like LinkedIn, I'll, I'll be really engaged in, but Facebook I'm not. So I think it is a good idea to mix it up a, a little bit um, as, as well.
Cool. Um, so a uh, quick question then. Um, obviously, you know, dropped a huge amount of value there about the marketing side of things, but I'm interested to know, how does a golf professional turn into an entrepreneur? Um, I think that, uh, like when I was in, when I was in school, like I was pretty, pretty analytical and pretty academic, I'd say, but, um, I was pretty good at golf and I wanted to give golf a, a shot. Um, so I made a bit of a, a last minute decision to, um, I went to the University of Birmingham and turned golf professional, but also did a business degree, um, which I didn't make it playing golf. I wasn't, wasn't quite good enough, um, but I still, still love to play. Um, but then from university, I went back and uh, I worked as a, as a golf professional for like probably about a year and a half um, and then had the opportunity to take on a, a golf business. Um, so, and that was where it all started really, because as soon as that happened, like, and it was this chance to grow my own business, it was just two of us to start off with, like literally as it started out by reading the four hour work week. And then from there just implemented that. And it kind of went out in a tree, learned a lot more stuff. And we scaled the golf business to seven people. And then we launched a new business off that, which was like children's services, which was like a, basically a B2C startup. And that got up to like 15 people, uh, from there as, as well. So yeah, that's kind of the route that I, I learned marketing from, but I think that now, like, I think this business is something that I enjoy a little bit more because it's, I think the issue with the golf was like, or, and with the, the, the children's services business that I had was that I love building the marketing machine and I was very much focused on the growth, but the, the product side of it, I wasn't as interested in, whereas now I'm interested in, in both. So yeah, it's, it's quite good from that sense. Well, I, I know that I've, I've popped a copy of Take Your Shot in the Post. So I'm not sure you've had a chance to read it yet, but it is about Russ, who was a golf professional, who was one of my first clients and how we turned his business around. So a bit of a tenuous link there, but uh, it's, it's, right. I love the fact that you've kind of made that, that journey across. And actually, Russ is doing the same as well. So the thing he was most passionate about was the teaching element of it. He loved speaking to audiences um, yeah. and he wanted to teach other golf professionals how to grow businesses. He was he, like you, he was very much all about, you know, that the, the business side of it and the process of like growing and marketing a business as well. Um, so that's ultimately where, where we took him. And I, I tell that story, shameless plug, tell that story and take your shot. Um, yeah. And, and so you, setting up kind of growth hacker, you, you kind of, what was the journey? Cause you've ended up out in, in Dubai, you obviously, you know, started out in Birmingham, ended up in Dubai. How does that happen? Yeah. Yeah, so I moved moved back out. Well, originally I was in Dubai when uh, for my last three years of school with my family. So then I moved, went back to university, then back out to Dubai, and I kind of uh, so I and then I set up my first business, Golf DXB, when I was twenty two, and then that that and the Kids DXB, which came as a result of that, was running for six years. We're running that basically up until the the pandemic, um, just when everything kind of stopped, and and we were in a position. Where where we had quite a lot of fixed contracts. So it was quite difficult for us to, we'd have basically been going into the red because we had these big facility rental contracts, which we couldn't, we had to either terminate or pay whilst we couldn't deliver, which transpired being a period of like seven months. So it meant that it didn't really make sense to continue. And to be honest, like, I'd had in my mind for a few years that I wanted to make an information product online and do more marketing stuff. So whilst it was a little bit, it, it was a difficult period because I think I could have, 
if I'd have wanted to, I, that business was in a point where it was almost completely passive for me. I wasn't yeah. really that involved in the day-to-day of it anymore because it was kind of had systems in place. But um, yeah, so that's how this uh, that's how this formed, I guess. So it was a difficult time when when that all happened. Like all of our staff members had to return to their home countries and and stuff like that. So from that point of view, it was it was pretty challenging. But um, one of those things, I guess. How how do you, um, if you don't mind me asking, because like, you know, again, we're all faced with difficult decisions in our life and in our business. How, how do you deal with kind of the trauma of like, you know, a dozen, a dozen employees having to essentially be sent home at that point and kind of just, you know, it's not just your dream that's kind of falling apart here. It's it's also, you know, there's, there's families and people at, at, at play here as well. Yeah, I think like that was the difficult thing. And like, especially like the first three or four people who were involved in the business with me, like best friends as well. So that that made it very, very difficult. Um, I think that the the issue that we had isn't it, it was it was okay in some say senses like because there's because there's not really pensions or anything in Dubai there's quite good gratuity things and stuff like that so we were able to give those payments out to to our staff members to some of them anyway um, mm. but yeah it's it's quite hard but at, at the end of the day like we had to make the the decision pretty pretty quickly because i remember it it actually started on my birthday which was february the 20th we got told that one of our facilities was not available the next day and it was yep. shut for covid because a lot of the stuff we did with was with kids so that got shut first so that was like we had we had the next day scheduled like over the course of the day that had been about 800 children coming to that venue for for coaching um so when that happened, it was kind of like, okay, how do we scale back? And we kind of did it in stages. It was kind of like, we probably went from 15 staff to 12 to nine, and then eventually just wound it up completely. So not an easy period and not an easy period for staff either, but in touch with, with quite a few of them still. And a lot of people are doing their own things. My my business partner um, has set up his own marketing agency in the UK, which is obviously off the back of what we're doing as well. So yeah, uh, I guess that's how it happened. Yeah, I mean, I've heard lots of stories about this. And I remember a similar sort of time I was having a conversation with a um, chap who ran a a dog grooming business out in um, Dubai as well. And exactly the same thing. He said that literally the police came in, shut their unit down and their their multi-million dollar a year business was gone pretty much overnight. They had, um, like you, they had 10 or 15 Filipino staff who, um, you know, they were like, we've got no jobs and it, it was it was literally just you know the rugs pulled under your feet and we're still seeing businesses you know here what we six over six months on now in the uk especially in hospitality and um trades like that who are you know the capacity's down by 50 percent, sales are down you know by 30 40 percent, and they're doing their best and i just feel so sorry for them that all of this stuff is actually kind of just it's out of your control to a certain extent yeah and, and you got to be realistic like a business is about making money it's not about it's not about it sounds really trite but um it's not about losing money and at some point you have to make that difficult very difficult commercial decision of we can't just keep on throwing cash at this because we'll be left with nothing 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got to, you've got to look at the numbers and let that that kind of make the the decisions as much as as much as you can. Um, yeah, there's there is obviously there's huge uh, huge implications of it for travel industries and hospitality industries. But um, yeah, hopefully it's uh, something that a vaccine will, will be coming soon and it'll things will pick pick back up with a bit of luck. Absolutely. And so, I mean, but a great opportunity and a great, you know, every when everybody is shifting online, it seems like that's the right time to launch something like Growth Hacker and help small business owners who are struggling with things like five-day challenges. And like you said, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive just to do your first five-day challenge, does it? No, absolutely. And I think that what I've seen over the last kind of seven or eight months is that there's there's so many people who need to take their their delivery online or or maybe they've got some form of online presence but they've got they've got a website but they haven't got a system so yeah there's, there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of demand for it at the moment and there are certain industries that are doing really well as a result of covid with regards to online coaching and things being delivered virtually and, and stuff like that. So there are opportunities out there. So I, I think that's the, the silver lining from a, an online point of view. There's definitely worse, worse places to be. Absolutely. Cool. So what are you working on at the moment, Tom? Um, so at the moment I'm doing, uh, I'm doing some bespoke uh, projects. So I work with quite a few management consultants and, and coaches um, where uh, I deliver five day challenges is, is one aspect that's more for, for business coaches and then there's a couple of other funnels that I also work on for people selling quite high ticket items I do um, so I, I do traditional marketing activities uh, LinkedIn lead generation all feeding towards like a, a three-step funnel where there'll be uh, either a landing page and then a, a quiz and into a, a Calendly um, booking form, which works quite well for um, for, for management consultants and, and that sort of thing. So that's uh, that's one aspect to, to what I'm doing. And then alongside that, I'm also doing the uh, the growth program, uh, which is basically a, an intensive course for people who want to learn how to it covers a lot of stuff. So it, it starts off with like business strategy, how to create a, a valuable business um, and, and how to come up with an idea, uh, moving into the customer development process that we talked about, um, then making like a, a sales argument. So like a master sales document that will be like, a few pages long, which will go through a framework of how to make a document that you can basically use everywhere on your landing pages, on your ads and these kind of things. And then from there, it goes into marketing and then into the, the sales piece as well. So it's quite uh, quite encompassing. It's quite, uh, quite a big um, undertaking to get involved with it. Like it, it takes quite a lot of work, but I do also package bits of it off if people want to just do, say, the marketing bit or, or stuff like that as well. Cool. And um, your own next five day or your next five day challenge is coming up as well, I think in November, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to be running a, a five day challenge, which which takes a little bit of the of the course that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm going to be running that uh, towards the end of November, I would imagine. Uh, and that's going to be something with actionable tasks uh, and basically giving people the blueprint of the, the processes that are, are needed first to generate your ideal customer and, and then to, to look at how to build out some systems as well cool and uh, can we share a link to that is that live 
Uh, yeah, I've got a link to a landing page where people are able to sign up uh, at the moment. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the date is just TBC at the moment. Um, payment gateways are notoriously difficult in the UAE. You can't use Stripe. So I'm just waiting on that and then we're, we're good to go. Excellent. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that because I, I set up Stripe here and it took about 12 hours and it was all signed, sealed and delivered, connected to my bank account, all authorized and everything else. And then, yeah, yeah. again, I, I hear it, yeah, Middle East that, that, you know, there's all sorts of challenges around sort of finance and money and get, getting everything approved. Um, but for obvious reasons, got to got to look after the pennies, basically, and make sure everything's yeah. nice and secure. But hey-ho. So we, we've got date pending for the next five-day challenge for yourself. Um, I have shared a link to the um, landing page in the um, in, in the in both the show notes and um, the chat as well, so that if anybody wants to go and check that out, then they can. And how, how else can people get hold of you, Tom, if they're interested to know more about marketing for their business? Yeah, just through through my website, um, through through growthhacker.io, you'll see a, a call to action on pretty much every page, which says growth starts here, and that will uh, feed people to a quiz and then to my my calendar if people are interested in booking from there, or if they just go through the contact us uh, as well, they can just send a, an email note. Um, I'm really active on LinkedIn. Uh, I try to post every day, so um, it'll be tend to be in a week, like a couple of videos that I do myself. Um, the odd kind of quote of something interesting I find online. And then I also do a blog as well, which I do. I'm trying to do that uh, on a weekly, weekly basis also. So yeah, LinkedIn's a good place to reach me as well. Cool. Excellent. We'll make sure we share links to um, your LinkedIn profile and website as well. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I, I always finish off with um, one uh, uh, question, which hopefully isn't too much of a curveball for you, but um, we're going to hop into the fearless business time machine for a moment. It's a bit better than the DeLorean and back to the future. No Iranians, <laughs> thank you, thankfully. Um, and you get to punch in it a, a, a year in your past and we're going to go back there and you get to have a word with Tom T minus X number of years. So um, when when, 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 what year are you going to punch in and what message have you got for Tom? Um, I'd say probably, yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably when I was, when I was 19. So I, uh, I was, I'd done my first year at university and I was starting to, I, I dabbled into making a website for the, for the golf business that I was doing. And I, I think that if I'd have just, I think if I'd have just given myself a little bit more of a nudge to kind of, um, or I guess I think a lot of times you, when you when you meet a certain person or get a little bit of advice off someone, if I just had a little more nudge to go into e-commerce or into the to look a little bit more into the marketing space at, at that stage, I could have probably, in a way, sped up three years or four years perhaps. But then swings and roundabouts, I might have not had the opportunity to set up my business and and be where I was today as well. But I think that any opportunity for like young people who get the chance to to get into tech and get into marketing, I think is is just the the right thing to do. I mean it's it's where everything is accelerating and it's where there's a lot of a lot of leverage to be had. Well, I, th I think we live in a, a, a day and age now where I sound really old when I say phrases like that, but we live in a day and age now where you know, there's so many more opportunities to life than just kind of getting getting your GCSEs, A levels, and going to university. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, uni's fun, but equally, if it means it's going to put you three years behind in terms of your career progression, when we have a global marketplace, you know, the world at your fingertips, and all these amazing products that you can potentially sell, it's just about take slowing things down and finding a niche that kind of works for you. And maybe back in when you were 19, if it, you know the, the timing wasn't quite right 
then and actually you've had to go through this process in order to get to where you are now and have all those those ups and downs in order to be able to add even more value to people's lives when you work with them now yeah absolutely I think so like I think that I mean I went to university and I had a I had a great time there and, and learned a lot probably from a life skills point of view but I think that there are there are alternatives out there and, and it's so it's so expensive uh, there's a great uh talk, I can't remember where it is but Peter Thiel does a talk that the PayPal founder about how universities is like a a really really overpriced insurance product for parents who don't want their kids to fall through the, the cracks which uh, I think in some ways is true like and I think that really the there are there are better ways of making yourself valuable nowadays but i think that it's just a case of as time goes on i think things like udemy might evolve into you know universities where you can learn really valuable skills but maybe more online and maybe things that are a little bit faster where people can learn on the job as they go along as well yeah absolutely apprenticeships for entrepreneurs i think that's how it should go yeah yeah, like like you would go in if you're a plumber or an electrician you'd go and learn on the tools basically a little bit of um classroom based theory but most of your practical stuff is done out on on site you know um and uh having having your boss go and ask you to go and fill out fill up a bucket of air and stupid stuff like that but yeah at least you come out glass hammers and things like that yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) at least after three years you come out of it knowing how to like plumb a house and you know rewire a house and all sorts of stuff like that like practical stuff and I think university is great but it's mostly theory I think uh, I could have a whole I could do a whole episode on our educational system but I'm not going to um yeah. <laughs> cool listen Tom that's been really insightful thank you ever so much really appreciate you coming on to the show welcome back anytime no problem thanks for having me on enjoyed it 